Today on the podcast, I have the pleasure of interviewing Shannon Crow, who is the creator of the Connected Yoga Teacher podcast, as well as the Connected Yoga Teacher Facebook page. Many of you know Shannon and her groups, tens of thousands of amazing yoga teachers in there. I've wanted to get to know her for a really long time because I really admire the work that she does with yoga teachers. And today we go deep, deep dive into how to niche down and why for yoga teachers and or yoga therapists, it could be a good idea. What are some of the obstacles, your own mental obstacles in deciding if it's appropriate for you to niche down into a specific area instead of trying to be all things to all people? What was her process like? How did it happen that she went from teaching 16 classes a week, running all over town, getting burnt out, to basically specializing in pelvic health? So what was that process like for her? And then we go on to really differentiate. How does a yoga teacher who specializes in pelvic health differ from a yoga therapist, differ from a physiotherapist or a physical therapist specializing in pelvic health. A lot of people don't understand the differences between those three health and wellness professionals. So we are talking about niching down, but then really flushing out what does a yoga teacher who specializes in pelvic health do versus a yoga therapist who specializes versus say a PT. And I think it's a great episode. I really enjoyed it myself. I learned some things myself and I look forward to introducing you to Shannon. Welcome to the Yoga Therapy Hour podcast. My name is Amy Wheeler and I'm your host. We are so happy to tell you all that's happening in the world of yoga therapy. And we love to find guests from all over the world so that we can share and learn and grow together. Please nourish yourself, take time for yourself, and really relax into listening to the podcast. Today, I'm so happy to introduce you to Shannon Crow, who most of you know from the Facebook group called The Connected Yoga Teacher, as well as your podcast. Is your podcast also called The Connected Yoga Teacher? It is. Yeah. So let's just start there because you have been so successful. I watch you in this Facebook group. You're amazing. Your podcast gets tons of traction. Why do you think that things have worked so well for you in creating this community around you? I mean, it's one of, I would say, the top five successful yoga communities that I'm aware of. Well, first of all, thank you. I'm really excited to dive right into that question. The whole idea, so the foundation of this idea was like the struggles as a yoga teacher who was a single mom of three little kids coming in and out of yoga teacher trainings, running around to 16 classes a week, trying to pay all the bills and feeling like, okay, I need to sign up for a yoga teacher training so that I have that support. But then realizing, oh gosh, that it, it costs a lot of money. It takes a lot of time. I have to organize childcare. Like all of that struggle was the idea behind the podcast. And when I had the idea for the podcast, I had a business coach who said, you should start a Facebook group and share information on there first to get warmed up because I was really nervous about putting content out there. It takes a lot to you know, put yourself out there and create something and make mistakes along the way. So she said, do some lives and help yoga teachers. I also watched other Facebook groups. <laughs> so the whole idea behind the podcast, behind the Facebook group, the whole foundation of that or the start of that is that I wanted it to be a helpful and supportive place for yoga teachers to be and when things don't feel that way in other Facebook groups or sometimes ours, it doesn't feel like a good fit. And so when we started the Facebook group and made those rules really evident and then evolved over time, it's really the group that takes care of that so often now. Like someone will see something 
like a post or a comment and maybe report it to us because it isn't meeting that. Like, is this going to be helpful or supportive? We can be really quick to like type quickly <laughs> in a Facebook group and it not land in a way that is helpful and supportive. Maybe that's why I have such a positive impression of it because every time I go in there, there is useful information for both yoga teachers and yoga therapists, to be fair. And it is a positive, supportive community. And I really appreciate that because as you said, online, things can get kind of nasty. Yeah. Sometimes. Yeah. And, and probably the one topic that brings out the most fire in, in our group is about essential oils. And so we realized, okay, we have to really you're going to ask a question about essential oils, just be ready. And we do then end up, you know, monitoring and just letting people know. And we have changed how we do things. You have to post and then it gets approved. It doesn't just land in the group because we don't want people trying to sell their sunglasses or posting things that are against our group rules. I was just imagining the multi-level marketing of essential oils that your group would be a wonderful place for someone to kind of spam, to get a bunch of people under them selling the oils. And so, but I I like that too, that you approve the posts because as you said, I think that makes it a much more humane community. Yes. So, well, congratulations. That's just lovely to see someone that has found a problem in their life, realizes it's a problem for other people, busy moms, can't just keep taking trainings forever to get a supportive community. And you solve the problem for yourself and others. And I think that's what makes things successful. You know, it's this organic from the inside out. Yes. You had the problem. Other people must be having this problem. Let's solve this problem. Yeah, exactly. And that's what holds me on the days where I'm like, I can't figure out this tech thing or this podcast thing just switched. Okay. Like, let's remember the whole point of this is to help yoga teachers. Yeah. Which kind of brings us to why I wanted to have you on the podcast. This idea about choosing a niche or niching down, as they say, Because in addition to all of this connected yoga teacher stuff, which you're brilliant at, you're also a yoga teacher that focuses on pelvic health. So just first of all, how did you decide to niche down into pelvic health as a yoga teacher? It wasn't until, oh gosh, I think I was a yoga teacher for close to 10 years before I started to niche down. So that might sound scary, but the things that I've learned, I think could make that journey a little bit easier for other yoga teachers, especially if you're listening now and you're like, I want to specialize or niche down. So first of all, I just want to say that I was running around to like 16 classes a week, teaching everything from hot vinyasa flow to restorative to baby and me to toddler and me to like also doing Thai yoga massage. Like I just thought at that time, the more I have to offer, obviously then my brain was making this, which is actually wrong. It's wrong. (laughs) I thought the more I offer, the more people I'll see and the more I'll be able to continue to do this work and make money doing it. It was completely false. I burnt out from doing that. You know, I, I I had many classes with small amounts of people. And so when I started to specialize, it was first, I was just curious about prenatal yoga. And I wanted to learn all I could because I felt like in my YTT, we covered a small amount. It wasn't enough. I took more training. I had more questions and I just followed that. So for about eight years, I studied prenatal yoga. And then I learned enough where I felt like I, I want to teach this to other yoga teachers. It was either that or write a book. <laughs> and then we had a pelvic health PT come into our training for three hours. And when she talked about pelvic health, I just thought, oh my gosh, I learned about anatomy I learned through having three babies 
And still, I knew nothing really about pelvic health. Like I have a pelvis. Everyone has one. Everyone has a pelvic floor. And why didn't I know this stuff? And and then I could really see, wow, yoga can have such a positive impact with someone's pelvic health. Science shows us that, but also there were different breath practices that I learned. So the more I learned about pelvic health, so I basically kept following this curiosity and this passion. And also the key part of that was like letting things drop off. So that was the hard part. Like I love doing Thai yoga massage and it really paid my bills. (laughs) And I had opportunity to travel and teach, but I knew that it wasn't the absolute top thing. Like it was pulling my focus away. So I just, you know, it was easy to drop like some things. Toddler and me yoga. I don't want to run around with chaotic toddlers. I had enough of that. (laughs) Like after work, that was easy to let go of. And then slowly, like each year, I just think what's going next off the list so I can focus more and more. I resonate so much with what you're saying. Everything from I'll just do it all because I can Mm -hmm. to, oh my gosh, I've fallen in love with something and I see our community has a need and I don't see a whole lot of people doing this to the realization that in order to go in that direction, you have to let go of other things. I mean, yes, I think that third part is the hardest part because you have students you love, you've made relationships with, you've gone to the studio every, you know, Monday for six years. Like it is so hard to finally just let go and say for my well-being, my not wanting to feel burnt out, my financial well-being, my life purpose, my dharma, I actually have to let the singing bowls go or, or whatever it is. Yeah. Hard. It is hard. It is not easy to let those things go. I think sometimes what helped me in that was thinking, you know what? There is another yoga teacher who's great. Like I could just remember passing off my children's yoga classes thinking this person that's that's all she wants to do is teach children's yoga. And so I was like, that's your person. It feels so good to pass those over when it's not your number one thing that you love to teach, but it is someone else's. It's serving everyone. It's serving you, the other teacher, and the people who are wanting those classes. It reminds me, this is kind of a tangent, but it reminds me of clutter cleaning my house. I have great outfits, but they're not for me right now. Right. <laughs> and somebody else is going to go into that thrift store and find this outfit and be so psyched to like, who, who got rid of this? And I feel so happy dropping it off there. It's oh kind gosh, of a similar that. feel, you know? Very similar. So true. Yeah. So you were a little bit scared to niche down or were you scared to niche down? Yep. What were some of your worries when you're like, I love this pelvic health thing, but gosh, were you worried that there wouldn't be enough business or that like, what were some of the concerns? So one of my concerns was because no one was talking about pelvic health and it still can be kind of a taboo topic. I mean, it isn't in my life anymore. My kids even joke around like, oh, just get her started and you'll learn all you (laughs) want to know and way more than that. (laughs) Um, But I was afraid that people would not come to a class that was called like yoga for pelvic health. So I called it gentle yoga for hips and shoulders, which we were doing all kinds of things for pelvic health, but I just didn't call it that. So that was my own, like, are people going to feel too weird? about it. And I got over that quickly. That's specific to sort of pelvic health, but I was afraid that I was going to lose students. Like I thought, okay, if I niche down, like obviously, you know, let's say people who want like hot vinyasa flow, that's not what I'm doing anymore. I don't think that's benefiting people who have pelvic health issues in the best way. (laughs) And so, yeah, fear of losing students, fear of becoming known for something and then being stuck there. Like, Mm -hmm. oh, that's the teacher for this. And, and then not being able to change course and pivot that for sure. And that in itself, like that 
fear of being stuck is the most common one that I hear from yoga teachers when they're wanting to niche down. Like, I don't like, they're like, I don't know. And I would say in that moment, try it on, like, try it on. Like, a like you use the clothing outfit, like a seasonal outfit, you know, it's winter here right now. So I get to try on different, we call them toques in Canada. I think you call them beanies in the U S but like winter hats, try it on like that. Like for a season, right? <laughs> You can't get a spring hat, <laughs> a rain repellent hat. <laughs> yes. And it's okay. Like everyone that I know as a yoga teacher and an entrepreneur evolves to do something different. Like prenatal to, to pelvic health wasn't that big of a stretch because there were a lot of people who were pregnant and postnatally then like needed more pelvic health information. But it's okay. Like, let's say you decide you want to talk all about sleep. You could try it on for a month. And then the next month you could talk all about digestion or something like how yoga helps your digestive system. You'd be surprised. People are paying attention like to their own thing and it's okay. Now the sweet spot is once you become known for that thing, people start tagging you and you must find this on Facebook, Amy. And I get tagged all the time for pelvic health topics, as well as niching down and specializing topics. And I'm excited about that. I actually made the choice. Was it two years ago now? (laughs) Time is, time is wonky right now. Maybe it was two years ago that I was only going to talk about niching down and specializing as well as pelvic health on podcasts. Because before that, I would talk about all kinds of things. Like there were lots of things I learned as a yoga teacher. And I'd be like, sure. But the more I talk about those two things, which tie together really nicely, the more that's what people are like, that's what she does. She does pelvic health. She also talks about niching down. You want to become known for something. Well, and I, I love the organic evolution of that you say, try it on for a month, like a seasonal outfit. See if it lights you up. See how the people respond. See if the classes fill. You don't have to make the decision that I'm only going to talk about these two things, niching down and pelvic health on podcasts. That's like three to five years later, probably. I'm not, I'm not sure how yes. long the evolution took, but I always tell the students in our business class that, that you can try on many things and learn how to run a Facebook group and learn how to do Instagram and learn how to build a website. And once you've learned how to do those things, you can the next month flip your color scheme, put a new new banner up there, start a different Facebook group. Like you're not stuck forever, but you do have to learn the business parts of it. And what if it does happen to be the niche that you love and it lights you up and you do stay with that for years. That's good too. Yes. Yeah. And the other thing I would tell yoga teachers is you might think you've been very clear about what you're trying on as this niche. Like let's say for the whole month, you're going to talk about yoga to help you improve your sleep. You might post like once or twice and think, okay, it's done. Like everyone knows. And that is so far from the truth. <laughs> 20 some touch points on social times on Instagram. <laughs> like you have to sound like a broken record really about your message. And I still have to, I still have to remind myself and every once in a while, <laughs> like I'll bump into someone who has no idea what I do, especially when let's say it's like a friend in my life. Technically, they should know if they were like, if we're friends on Facebook or if we talk at all or like, technically, they should know, except that it's not up to them. It's up to me to make sure that the people around me who are interested know what I do. And yeah, I don't know if you have thoughts to add on to that, but it's like, I don't know. hired a coach, even though I am a business coach, I can't see myself and I I can't see how unclear my message is. Like you can't see yourself. So I hired a business coach to help me sort through all my posts and all, all my messages and say, this is where you're getting off track and confusing people. And, and here's the three things you're allowed to talk about so that your message is clear. Right. So starting in April of 2023, 
the rebranding, the the clear messaging will hopefully begin because we think we're being clear, but we get all over the place in tangential conversations and our message is no longer clear. This is such a good example. And I love how you said you, even though you're the business coach, you can't really see that for yourself. And that that's some tricky work. I'm glad that you reached out to someone and that someone gave you these very clear boundaries. Here are the things you're allowed to talk about. I mean, and I didn't like it by the way, (laughs) you mean I can't post my cats every day. (laughs) I love my cats. Right. Right. (laughs) I have to say that's one thing. Well, that's one other thing that people have gotten to know. I post on Instagram getting outside to walk in the winter because it's a real struggle for me. And that's just become part of things. So that's the other piece. Like, in no way is that tied to what I do. Other than people tell me that it helps them get motivated to go walk outside and they look forward to those posts. That That's fine. You can, you can play around with that. There's not like this clear, you can only have one business. You can only talk about one thing. I would say if you want to try this on, think about something that gets you really excited. Like If you could read about a topic, any topic that relates to how you teach yoga, what are you interested in and follow that and try that on and, and then take a look, what would I let go of? You know, we all have had that class where you're like, oh, it's like Thursday night at seven or something. And and you struggle to go teach that class, like almost every week. That's probably the one that has to go. Exactly. And why can't we just let it go? You know, yes, but it's, it it's so energetic. Like when you feel heavy and you're not motivated, like cut it, be done with it. Something yes. good will enter that space and have it will faith. it will. Oh my gosh. Yes. Have faith in that. That's so good. It can feel scary when you're like, but that's tied to my income. And if I don't replace that class, trust me, like y- you might find something completely different that lights you up. I want to tell you, you had said something about like when you're excited about this and you feel like you're in the right spot for it, there was this light bulb moment. So this yoga teacher who's in my community, Beth, shout out to Beth. She has a beautiful studio a great community. It's a fair drive for me. She said to me, do you want to come and teach this four hour workshop yoga for pelvic health to the general public? I said, Mm -hmm. for sure. I'm excited to do that. Drove over there, did it like did it a few times. And then I suggested it. She didn't ask me this. I suggested, Hey, do you want to teach this? Like you could do this. If the next time I teach it, you take notes because you've already been there. And you've seen me do this a few times. And she's a very experienced teacher. Take frantic notes. I'll give you all my notes. You teach this the next time because I'm getting busy, basically. She sat there at the end of the class, came up to me and just said, I'm just going to get you back to do it. Like she was like, you're so excited about this topic mm-hmm. that I, I can't replicate this. And I want to say to yoga teachers, once you find that thing, it takes out the like, we're in competition with each other. Right. As yoga teachers, it just makes so much more space for you. Okay. Because we've had Sherry Riba on here, who's a pelvic health person in yoga. We've had Shelly Prosco, but I don't feel the three of you are competing. You're all very unique. And trust me, there's enough pelvic problems out there for everybody. (laughs) Yes. And we do very different things as well. So Sherry and Shelly are part of pelvic health professionals, like our pelvic health professional group. And we work together. Like, you're right. There's a lot of people with pelvic health concerns and everyone has their own niche. Like Shelly really specializes in working with people who have persistent pain. She's great on pain science. So, and she's a physio as well as a yoga teacher. Sherry just wrote a book. I need to get reading Sherry's book (laughs) to find out more, but we all have a niche within pelvic health. There you go. That's important to say. People don't get that. They think, oh, pelvic health, that's a huge subject. Yeah. I've thought about niching down into yoga for pelvic organ prolapse because I do get really excited about that. I'm not ready to make that leap yet, but 
who knows, like maybe that would be, that's just something that I get excited to learn about and talk about. So let's pull this apart a little bit because we have pelvic health PTs, physiotherapists or physical therapists that we call it in the US. We have pelvic floor, pelvic health yoga therapists, and we have yoga teachers who specialize in pelvic health. And a lot of people would think, oh, those are all kind of the same, but the scope of practice is completely different. So as a yoga teacher, who's not a PT, who's decided consciously not to become a yoga therapist, tell us the scope of practice for a yoga teacher who has niched down into pelvic health as their area of expertise? Such a good question. First of all, let me share that I really struggled with this question for a while. Like I was like, I'm so interested in pelvic health that maybe I should become a pelvic health PT. But if I actually thought about what that looked like, I think what I was hoping for is more recognition from the medical world Mm. and thinking that if I became a PT, I wouldn't have to market myself, which let me tell you is completely false. (laughs) So PTs still have to market (laughs) themselves and run a business and yeah, all the things. Just have a hundred thousand dollar debt to pay while you're doing it. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. But what I really get very excited about is just teaching someone like such simple things like here's some movement with breath and let's just start to get very curious and be aware. What are you feeling like? Those moments make me so excited. One man was coming to see me for yoga in the PT office. So he was going to see the PTs there. He was going for massage. He was doing lots of things. And he was known in the office for like, he's just going to keep coming in. Like he's just going to keep using his dollars or whatever. If he had a benefit package that was really good, I don't know. When he came in to see me, I asked him to do some free flow movement where he was just like lying on his back and just moving his legs and arms. And he was looking for set defined movements. No one had asked him to just see how he might want to move. And he was like, I don't, I don't know how to do this. And that to me, it's such a juicy moment. Like you don't get to do that as a PT, really. You, I mean, you could, it depends how you work with individuals for sure. But yoga is, is a very different thing. So for personally, for me, I realized very quickly, I don't want to be doing internal exams, pelvic exams and like go all through PT school and not be able to use the tools that I love through yoga. So I made my own definition of what is my scope of practice as a yoga teacher, because the yoga world's a bit wild west (laughs) out there. Nobody else is doing that for yoga teachers. We'll just say that. Not nobody. It's a very general, broad definition that some of the high level organizations have framed for us yoga teachers. I was like, if it's within the eight limbs, that's what yoga is to me. Like I will talk about the eight limbs with people in different ways. It depends where everyone's at. I meet people where they're at, you know, we'll definitely talk about breath and we could talk about meditation and movement, asana, and slowly get into the subtler parts, which I do really love as well. Like I worked with a lot of traumatic brain injuries for a while because there was a PT and there was this crossover with pelvic health and traumatic brain injuries. And I just kept hearing people use very strong language against themselves because having a traumatic brain injury is very frustrating. You know, they're like, my body doesn't work. I hate this arm. It won't do what I want it to. And like, just, so then we started to talk about Ahimsa and what is that? how how could we bring that practice in to this so that's what i love to do and i also love to refer people out when i'm like "Mm, that's not my thing like this is for a pt this is for a psychotherapist this is for your gynecologist okay now you need to see an endometriosis specialist like the more we can understand about a specific topic for sure that that means more responsibility as yoga teachers 
but the more we can also then really benefit that person. You know, before I started learning about pelvic health, I didn't even know what endometriosis was. I didn't know what pelvic organ prolapse was. I didn't know how the pelvic floor moved with breath. Like I didn't understand that. So those things are really important to me as a yoga teacher now. And I know there are times where I also refer to a yoga therapist where I'm like, actually, this this is out of what I know. You need to go see someone else. Does that answer? Well, well I want to talk about that in a minute and, and look at those two scopes of practice. But in terms of the work that you do, I, I like how you framed your scope. If it fits in the eight limbs, the yamas, social disciplines, niyamas, the personal disciplines, the postures, the breathing, the turning the attention inward, possibly going into meditation. That's kind of your wheelhouse. What are some of the tangible benefits that you've seen using those eight limbs as a yoga teacher before we talk about how that might differ from a yoga therapist? Like what are some of the tangible results you've seen with your clients in the work that you do? One woman told me like, oh my gosh, now I'm not peeing my pants. I mean, that's a big one. <laughs> <laughs> that is a big one. <laughs> and that was within a group class. And I was actually a little bit surprised, but there's a great yoga study or it's, it's a small study, but it's a, it's a great indicator of like, yes, yoga can help with incontinence. But the other part of the study that people miss is that the control group or the people who didn't do yoga were still given information about how the bladder works and incontinence and all of that. And they also saw a decrease in incontinence with that group of people. They didn't do any yoga. So yes, we saw more of a decrease with the yoga group, but that to me is huge as well. Like how does the bladder actually work? Let's get curious about that. Let's talk about the brain and bladder together. So I'm, I'm thrilled when people tell me like, I'm not peeing my pants. Also, people going to see a pelvic health PT. So one person was coming to see me and she had just started this core strengthening program. And she came to see me and said, I think I'm having like chronic bladder infections. Okay, well, I know I don't diagnose. I don't treat bladder infections. So I, immediately I was like, have you seen your doctor? Have you booked in with a pelvic health PT. I want you to book those two things while we're here today. Let's just try something. We worked on down regulation of the nervous system. I also asked her to stop doing Kegel homework. That was part of this core strengthening thing. Lo and behold, like she couldn't get in with the pelvic health PT for a while, but she saw a decrease right away when we worked together. And then the pelvic health PT told her like, you're your pelvic floor is holding a ton of tension. Hypertonic. Really, you, you need to stop. You need to stop with the Kegels. I can make an educated guess, but I love that I'm supported by this other team who like can confirm that and and to know I'm on the right track with things. I just wanted to add in there. You said that you were doing this within a team at a physio office, so you had the benefit of other licensed healthcare professionals supporting you, supporting the client. So I just want to put yes. that in there before you go on to another tangible benefit. Well, that's the other thing. I worked at a physio office. I stopped working there when COVID hit and I haven't gone back because <laughs> I'm really focused on like getting more pelvic health information out to yoga teachers, just to say like, that's an, that's some niche work that wasn't easy because I loved it in there because we talked with people together, a PT and a yoga teacher, or maybe it was the massage therapist or someone else in that office, we'd all work together as a team. The other person that was coming to mind is someone who did not tell me for a very long time that she dealt with sexual abuse as a child, that she was a victim of that and was coming in saying, I need to relax my pelvic floor. I'm seeing a PT. I'm seeing a psychologist. Now I want to relax my pelvic floor. Slowly over time to see, and you said it really well when you said it, this isn't like me sitting here with all the answers. It's this co-creation and it's this, mm -hmm. that's the biggest gift that I've seen working with people who 
you know, they have a specific goal in mind. They know where they want to go with things. And I offer them tools in that. And there's a conversation about how's this going and to kind of track that and to see her then say near the end, like me realizing, okay, this is a history of sexual abuse as a child. This woman was in her, I would say like sixties or seventies. And then to see her say to me, now I can go back to the pelvic health PT and actually get an exam. Now I'm feeling like I have that capacity and realizing that was her outcome, even though she hadn't articulated that to me early on when we first started meeting. So such a wide range of ways that yoga can help someone dealing with all kinds of pelvic health issues, which again, so many people are not talking about. You know, when you said that you first started out the class calling it opening your hips and shoulders, I would so not be interested in that class. But if I saw in my local studio, a pelvic health yoga class, I would sign up for that thing so fast. You could, your head would spin. Yeah. Like, like, That's what happened. That class yeah. filled. Right. right. So <laughs> I think you're right. We, especially as women, I'm sure there's men too that have things they would like to work on, but you know, it's something that is starting to emerge that we're able to talk about our bodies in a way that women haven't been able to do in a really, really long time and to feel them, not even in like a sexual or sensual way. I mean, I know that's happening too, but I'm, I'm just talking about clearly like, can you feel your pelvic floor expand when you take a nice deep inhalation? Most people would probably say no. And I think this idea that you brought up that a lot of the pelvic floor problems are actually a pelvic floor that's hypertonic, that's too tight. Just that understanding that you can sit in your chair during the workday and work on inhalations and softening and spreading and nobody in the meeting has to know, like, that's really cool. And we're able to talk about that now in a way that maybe 10, 15, 20 years ago would not have been acceptable in society. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then all of the misinformation that's out there as well, like everyone needs to do Kegels or do this many Kegels or do Kegels on the toilet or at the lights or, you know, don't pee in the shower. There's so many messages that we hear really quickly that need to be examined, re-examined like, okay, Kegels might be great for this person, but not for this other person. So that misinformation can cause harm. And that's sad too. There was someone coming to yoga who came to me near the end of class and was like, I would have learned about this and gone to see my pelvic health PT. I wouldn't have had to wear like adult underwear for the last 20 years. So yeah. she had been dealing with incontinence for 20 years and then just going to see a pelvic health PT and learning about it. And like through the yoga class, like all I was doing was giving out the PT's cards. She wouldn't have had to deal with that. So that's a tangible um, benefit. It's huge. Oh, yeah. another one is postnatal people. So I have this, I'm going to tell you this secret here, Amy. <laughs> I have to say, like, <laughs> the rest only one and I and all your listeners. We're, we're going to cut this part and you're just going to have to wonder. <laughs> no, you can leave it in, but I hope other people take this on as well. Like one passion of mine is postnatal phone calls with people who identify as women, mostly mm. who feel like they're falling apart after having a baby physically, emotionally, I seem to get those phone calls because people know, oh my gosh, I have this friend and I took this workshop with Shannon and now I'm going to get her to talk to them. I just seem to attract those phone calls. And it's usually just one phone call of like, your body's not falling apart. I want you to go see a pelvic health PT. Yep. You're exhausted. And yes, you will be able to go out walking again without feeling like your uterus is going to fall out. And allowing people that space. I don't charge for that time. I know what it feels like as a new mom to be like, what just happened and why aren't we talking about this? The emotional roller coaster that it is. And I've had people call me back and say, like, I was suicidal when I called you. And I need you to know, like, that phone call made all the difference. 
I think that's a part of pelvic health that we're not talking about enough still is that pelvic organ prolapse, postpartum, depression, menopause, like there are so many moments and this isn't just women's health either. Like men have pelvic health issues that they, I think they feel less prone to talk to than women. Children have pelvic health issues as well. And And there's a lot that goes on mentally around our pelvic health issues. Yeah. Yeah. Let's just talk for a minute. Okay. We, we know like a physical therapist that focuses on pelvic health. They do diagnosis. They're trained for two plus years. They oftentimes have now a PhD in that area, at least in the United States, they've really upped that educational requirement, which means hundreds of thousands of dollars. So there's that whole route where you could do internal assessment. You could do internal massage, external massage. Like there's a lot of things that go with being a PT. And you said that wasn't going to be your passion. Then we've talked about what you consider your scope of practice as a yoga teacher, which is let's work within these eight limbs for Mm -hmm. interoceptive awareness breath work, being kind to yourself, saying nice things to yourself, right? All those eight limbs that we talked about. I just want to spend a moment because it's the yoga therapy hour saying, well, where would a yoga therapist fit into that? And I don't know if you have an opinion, but I'm going to start if you're okay with that. Yeah. I'd love to hear your opinion on this. You're the authority. Our goal in yoga therapy is something called salutogenesis or Marlisa Sullivan says eudaimonia, that we're bringing the whole human system into a place of wellness and balance, which is very different than the focus you have. It's a very narrow focus on pelvic health. Here's the muscles of your pelvic floor. Here's the exercises you might be able to do. Here's the breath techniques that might work. And you can correct me in a minute if I'm wrong about that. But as a yoga therapist, we are looking at the whole person. We're actually not specializing. We're trying to bring the whole human system on all five layers, the the physical, the subtle body, the mental, the personality, and the spiritual. We're trying to help people come into balance with the hope that that will maybe clear up some of these issues that have going people. Like for example, if I get really stressed out, it hasn't happened in a long time, but I noticed that when I got stressed out, those would be the days I would have some leakage, you know? Yeah. And I, I was like, that's really weird. So a yoga therapist may not be focusing directly on the pelvic floor, although maybe they could. They might come back around and say, well, what's happening on those days that you're feeling so stressed out? from the yamas, from the niyamas, from the eight limbs also, but also maybe some other teachings too. How are we going to work with your your mind to keep your mind in balance? How are we going to work with your relationships so you don't go home and spout out at your, your family, making you more stressed out? So we're really from the point of the gunas, from the point of the doshas, from the point of Panchamaya model. We have all these models from the ancient texts that we use to help bring the whole person into balance. And I think within that, there are people that as a yoga therapist do all of that and specialize in pelvic floor, right? There are like Shelly Prosco and Sherry Ribadostal. They, they do both. They're like yoga teacher and yoga therapist all in one. Does that make sense? Yes, it totally does. And I'm trying to think if we have any yoga therapists in my area. I don't think we do. And I can't really speak to, like, I haven't gone through a yoga therapy training. I've interviewed people who are yoga therapists and that's how you and I got connected was talking about the five koshas. And I'm really fascinated how you look at this. And especially when, when you start saying like, it's the whole person that we're looking at. I think that's very important in whatever model of care we start to look at. And part of me has also thought I should become a yoga therapist because then I would have this title, but I know where my strong suit is here. My strong suit is to really nerd out and like all things pelvic floor and not only. So when you said the physio side of things, what's fascinating is that 
here in Canada anyway, the last time I checked, you could become a physio, a PT, a physical therapist, you call them, and hardly have any education in pelvic health, like take a small training and then be certified and be able to see people. But maybe you don't specialize in endometriosis at all or even understand that yet or maybe you've never worked with pelvic organ prolapse or you don't know how to fit a pessary so even within the physio world the yoga therapist world the yoga teacher world there's what i see is like my role is there's a big lack of education just around general pelvic health. Like, let's just define these things. Let's see what's helpful for this person. What do we need to know across the board, whether we're a massage therapist or a... And it's hard because when you're talking about yoga therapy and looking at the whole person, it just makes me want to jump on board and be like, I want to start training. I was actually thinking, I need to ask Amy about this after the call. <laughs> but I want to make clear the difference that I'm hearing from you and correct me if I'm wrong, but yeah, Dr. Ananda Bali Yogi, he's a, you know, pretty famous yoga therapy person. Yes. Yeah. He says there's yogapathy, which is kind of like, I'm going to have a niche in people with asthma, right? Or pelvic health. Like he, he says that's focusing kind of on the disease pathology and how can we help you to suffer less. And I don't think yeah. there's anything wrong with that, but that's kind of what I hear you saying that a yoga teacher with a niche like pelvic health is kind of like yogapathy versus yoga therapy is how do we find balance and wellness and wholeness at all these layers? Right which may or may not make your pelvic floor feel better. Right. Probably will, <laughs> but it's, it's not yeah. specific to that. And, and the people who are choosing to be a yoga therapist in the area of pelvic floor health, they're like taking what you do and what yoga therapists do and bringing them together. Yes. I mean, I love it when we have yoga therapists who come into pelvic health professionals because I know, okay, you've got the yoga therapy thing. Someone trained with you. Same with, you know, a PT who's in there to learn more because it wasn't covered. Like these topics weren't covered as in depth. So you've given me a lot to think about. I'll give you an example of, you know, when I was in India doing my internship back in 2009, I got to sit in and see all these real clients come in and work with yoga therapists. And there was an eight-year-old little girl so adorable but was she was wetting the bed all the time and it was not helpful for her and her family to have this happening and they had gone to every health professional you could possibly imagine and this nothing was working and so the parents brought her in you could tell right away there was like this rigidness with the parents and kind of like come on get to work go sit over there cross your legs you know like they were almost like rigidly demanding that she be a certain way at eight years old. And already the tension in the room was like, Oh gosh, these parents are kind of controlling, right? That's what was going through my judgmental mind. <laughs> and I just watched the yoga therapist start talking to this little girl about what makes her happy and what is her favorite color and what does she like to color? And what does she like to do on Saturday mornings? Like the focus was on her wellness and her well being, not on her bedwetting. And nobody right. had ever talked to her about the joy in her life and how to cultivate that and how to expand that. So that was number one. And that's, that's what I'm saying, this focus on salutogenesis. By the time later in the session, they got to anything about bedwetting, it was very small. It was like, parents, could you please have her stop eating ice cream and drinking cold drinks? And could you try not to do anything that would make her feel fearful? That was it. So the almost the whole session was on creating her joy. And then right. no cold drinks, no ice cream, which came from Ayurveda. And then the third one about fear, which, you know, I think that could be expanded upon greatly. And then the session was over and I was like, huh, well, they didn't even really do any exercises for her little pelvic floor, right? That's what I was thinking as a new yoga therapist. I was there for six weeks, so I got to see her come back a few times. Guess what? bedwetting stopped. 
So to me, that's the essence of how maybe yoga therapy is different. And I don't even know if you had a little eight-year-old girl with bedwetting, I don't, would you give her little breathing exercises and, and relaxation for her little upon of IU? I, I don't, I'm not saying that's so, bad or good. There's no judgment. I'm just asking what would yeah. it be like from your perspective? From my perspective, working where I did and really being clear on like, what's my scope of practice? I would send any child to the, to the children's yoga teacher but also lean heavy on the team, like who specializes with children in terms of PT, pelvic health. That's who I would lean on as well as a psychotherapist or someone who works within the psychology field. Like there would be three people that I would refer this person out to. I have to be really honest. That's what I would do. Okay. Because... It's not, like, I don't gone. work with children's pelvic health. Uh, and, and this family had already gone to multiple healthcare professionals, like yes. suggesting and nothing had been working. Right. Yeah. Right? I'm not saying that people can't help with that and that there hasn't been great success, but for this little girl, I think it was a psycho-emotional issue. It just observing, cause I have to remember some of this was in Tamil and I was not catching all of it. I could read the files in English after the fact, yeah. but the conversations were, I was having a, a hard time hearing every single thing they were saying, but the yoga therapist clearly thought it had something to do with the fear and the rigidity in the family and this little girl feeling kind of compressed and contracted. And the yoga therapist wanted to expand and have her soften and feel more confident and happy, you know, right. and yeah. that it worked. And maybe they, I, I love the this parent. story because sometimes we think that, okay, I'm going to go to this one doctor or this one PT or this one yoga teacher or this one yoga therapist, and this is going to be the fix. And I think, you know, the biggest takeaway there is find someone who is going to look at you as an entire person. If you just focused on the pelvic floor, it's a total disservice, really, mm. you know, for anyone. Yeah. People are very quick to just focus on the pelvic floor when we talk about pelvic health, but it is, it is a whole human thing. And then also if it's not working, like find someone else, like that's a great story of finally finding someone in your community who, who gets the bigger picture of the issue. And that might have not worked either. I mean, I think there's cases where finding her joy and telling her parents to be a little more gentle and not create fear in her and, you know, I'm not saying that's the end all say all. I'm just trying to illustrate how different the, this whole person approach from the Guna yes. Ayurveda is. It's amazing. Oh, trust me. I look at yoga therapy programs a lot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think not everybody needs to do yoga therapy. Of course, I love it, but I think you're doing great work. Like, yeah, my work right now is like connecting the pelvic health experts with the yoga therapists, yoga teachers, PTs, gynecologists, all the people who want to learn more about public health. That's my, I know that's my path right now. And that's, that's what I get really excited to do. And I think it's stage of life. I don't know how old your three kids are, but you've got a huge connected yoga teacher community. You've got this whole pelvic floor community. You've got three kids. Not everybody needs to go to yoga therapy school. I, I think we all need to get really clear about that. Yes. My kids are about to all be adults as of next week. So my youngest turns 18, next one is 20, and the next one is 24, soon to be 25. Like oh that gosh. is amazing to me. <laughs> Congratulations, mama. <laughs> I thought you were going to yes. say six, eight, and 10. So I thought you had a little... Oh time left. Nope. But. Nope. They're all going to be adults. And so that does make a little more space in my schedule. So I still do love taking trainings. I mm -hmm. still do. It's still on my radar, but I appreciate that you said like not everyone needs to do yoga therapy. The thing that draws me to it is I feel like you get quite an overview of like lots of things because the one thing that would happen to me as a yoga teacher specializing in pelvic health is the moment someone would come in with something else like off like right. what I was used to they dealing with. also have headaches or they also have chronic pain. Right. They also right. have They're like, I'm having trouble sleeping. I'm like, that's not really my area of specialty yet. Yeah. yeah. 
Well, thank you, Shannon, for coming today and helping us really look at what it means to choose a niche as a yoga teacher and or a yoga therapist and kind of pulling apart physiotherapy, yoga therapy, yoga teacher with a specialty, and then offering all these beautiful examples from pelvic health. Because I think you can talk in general terms and not understand it, but the way that you did it today, giving examples of each thing, in my mind, will make it much more clear for our listeners to understand the differences and why it's important to have a niche. Yeah. Well, and if your listeners have more questions about niching down, like I'm always happy to like, they could send them in to you and we can answer them together or have another conversation. In the show notes, I would love to put your website, any trainings that you have coming up, the Connected Yoga Teachers Facebook page, the Connected Yoga Teachers podcast. So if you'll give me all of those, I'll put those all in the show notes so people can contact you directly and really benefit from all the great work you're doing in the world. Perfect. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Shannon, for such an amazing episode I really loved how you define the scope of practice for a yoga teacher who is niching down into an area such as pelvic health. And for you, that is kind of the eight limbs of yoga. And just knowing that a yoga teacher who specializes in that way is going to be very beneficial to any kind of healthcare team. Maybe they have massage therapists, maybe they have chiropractors, maybe there's physiotherapists that the whole team is working together and that yoga teacher is supported by the team. I also loved what you said about the fears that you had when you were moving from a place of burnout, trying to support yourself as a yoga teacher with three young kids running all over the place, feeling burnt out. What helped you to get over the hurdle of specializing in pelvic health? And in one way you were kind of pulled by this passion and this excitement and enthusiasm you had for this area, but also the fears of, I'm going to get stuck there. What if nobody comes? Is it weird to have yoga classes for pelvic health? Is that taboo? Am I not going to get the numbers? Therefore, I can't pay my bills. What if I am known for this one thing for the rest of my life and I can never move into any other area? I mean, those are all valid fears. But as you talked about each one of them, I hope that our audience is hearing those don't need to be fears. And just as someone might start in one area and then expand out or move into other areas, you don't have to have just one niche. I think of Shelly Prosco, who's really well known for her work in yoga therapy with pelvic floor, but she also has a second niche now all about compassionate client-centered care and how important empathy and compassion are in that therapeutic alliance or therapeutic relationship. So she's really starting to be known for that in addition to pelvic health and probably where those two intersect. So just because you've decided to niche down doesn't mean you're stuck there forever. It doesn't mean that you can never do anything else with your life. It just means that for now, you're going to try this outfit on, see how it feels, see what the response is, see how passionate you are, see if the numbers show up. And if you don't like it, you can switch out. It's no big deal. You didn't get married. You just got engaged. <laughs> you can always break off the engagement. So I just want to thank Shannon for giving us the encouragement to give it a try. And again, please go join her Facebook group, The Connected Yoga Teacher. Listen to her wonderful podcast, which I'm going to be a guest on soon. And I just want to thank you, Shannon. Please don't forget to sign up for our newsletter mailing list where we give you a free gift every single week. It's usually something that the guest has been talking about, like a book chapter or an article or an infographic. Check out the show notes for that. Thank you for listening today. Don't forget, we have a new YouTube channel called Optimal State with Amy Wheeler. We also have a new Patreon page where you can support us to bring you the most excellent content, and that is Optimal State and the Yoga Therapy Hour Patreon page. Also, you could write us a review on most major platforms that host podcasts. Give us five stars if you appreciate the show and tell us what you love so that we can do more of that. 
Finally, we support several nonprofit organizations through this podcast. See the show notes to understand how you can help. If you'd like to be a guest or a sponsor for this program, contact us at the email welcome at theoptimalstate.com. Welcome at theoptimalstate.com. And finally, a special thank you to our team here at Optimal State. We are truly a global family. George Mantuan, one of our executive producers. Adam Satchel, senior media producer and sound engineer from the Philippines. Krishna Panchal, a producer from Canada. Modupe Abdullahi, who does the show notes and is an editor for us from Nigeria and Peter Morley, who wrote and produced the music for this show, who lives in Australia. Find more about Peter's work at www.zenmusic.biz. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next time.